0: this this isn't the matrix no it's another training program designed to teach you one thing if you are not one of us you are one of them sentient programs they can move in and out of any software still hardwired to their system that means that anyone we haven't unplugged is potentially an agent We have survived by hiding from them, by running from them. But they are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors, they are holding all the keys, which means that sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them.
1: To the Verity Podcast. Um, today we are doing our third episode on The Matrix. Um, the first two, we had a lot of great stuff, but there's still a lot revolving around the movie that we really want to talk about because, well, we could probably talk about The Matrix forever, honestly, because <laughs> there's so many parallels. So,
0: yeah. Probably will talk about The Matrix. Again, multiple times. <laughs> even, yeah. when we,
2: even when we start talking about other movies, I think we'll still talk about it. <laughs>
0: but there was something that has been, you know, that's kind of come to the forefront and maybe a realization that we've been given that I feel like we need to share. And mm-hmm. it's, it's it's life-altering, at least for me it has been. And it's, again, it starts with reference to The Matrix with Morpheus and, and there's a scene um, where he's doing his training with Neo, and he tells him that the matrix is a system, and that system is our enemy, and they're guarding all the doors, they hold all the keys, and essentially the system is stacked against us, the system is our enemy and you know in the movie, the system people the Smith program could go in and out of different people at any given time and you know someone could be a nice little old lady or a homeless guy sitting on the street or whatever and all of a sudden it becomes smith so the system could change things the scene where they had the deja vu in the black cat they changed things they changed the rules and they changed the rules to kill them so what we have, that's an important thing for us to understand in in the parallels that we've drawn with the matrix and if you haven't listened to the other podcasts, you'll, you'll see the, basically the whole premise of, of The Matrix, I think, and whether it was intended or not, is The Matrix is this life, essentially, that we're living in. And the reality, the real world, is the spiritual realm. In the reality of The Matrix, there was a war going on between the machines and the humans the, that were the Zions, uh, <laughs> subtle, but in reality, in, in our reality and the real re- reality there is a there is a war going on between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of satan but what i think we miss and this is this is the part that i think that has been life altering for me is that we miss the fact that this world is under the authority and the control and the rule of satan you may not believe that to be true and and i know that that flies in the face of a lot of people's theology. But we have a few scriptures we're going to look at that I think Jerome's mm-hmm. going to read for us.
1: John 12, 30 through 32. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, am, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And Revelation 11, 15 the kingdom of the world becomes the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And John eighteen thirty six, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, <clears throat> my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm."
0: Yeah, let's drill down on those a little bit. So the first one where it talked about the ruler of this world will be cast out. So the ruler of this world will be cast out. That's got to be, I mean, that that's, has to be Satan that he's referring to when he's going to be cast out. But he also, you know, establishes the fact that he's the ruler of this world. I think in a previous podcast, we actually talked about um, the temptations that Satan tempted Jesus with. When, And one of the three was, you know, that he, he was saying, I will give all the kingdoms and all of this to you if you just bow down and worship me, and that was one of the things that Satan, in order to be able to give that to Jesus, had to have it to give. You can't give something you don't have. If he has the power and he holds all of that, then he could give it to him, so it became an actual, real temptation of something he could really do if Jesus were to bow down and worship him. So, you know, that's one we hadn't included, but I think think we did reference it in a prior podcast. But the second one, Revelation, I think it's interesting. It says the kingdom of, of the world becomes the kingdom of our Lord. So that to me says there's a transition that has taken place. It wasn't his, but then it becomes his. In Revelation, the final battle, that signals the final defeat of the kingdom of Satan. And that kingdom has been transferred now under the rule and authority of of, of Jesus in um, in after the final victory has won, we're not there yet. Okay, we're not there yet, but we will. It will happen. It has not happened yet. And then the second, you know, Jesus himself talking to to Pilate, and he's like, "My kingdom is not of this world." So it's again, this world is not under his rule and authority. This is not his kingdom. And there's a number of really, really, really important theological. Conclusions that we want to talk about that come from the fact that Satan is the ruler of this world that we are living in. And the first thing that I want to say is the default setting of this world is evil wins. That is the default setting of everything that happens. Even when we're talking about this, that evil wins, that means everything that you're doing that is for God and is for his kingdom, it will be opposed by default. And in fact, we had something happen uh, to us related to this very podcast, even.
2: Yeah. So as we're recording this, we have had two or three times now, I think, including recording of this session where our equipment has just died. No explanation, no reason, just all of a sudden died. And as I've told every single one of my family members and I tell my friends and people who know me personally, I say this all the time. I don't believe in coincidence. There's no such thing as coincidence. And given that what we want to do with this podcast, given all the good that we want to do for the kingdom with this podcast, if I were Satan, wouldn't I want to try to stop this? Well, yeah, of course. The thing is, you know, I even had a blog about this that I wrote, Not Too Wanna Go, I talked a little bit about Taylor Swift a little bit too, and I'll get I'll start, cycle back around to that, but the thing is, if you are great at what you do, like whatever it is, if you're a great filmmaker, if you're a great doctor, if you're a great preacher, if you're a great whatever, and in your profession you dedicate it to the kingdom of God, and you do it for the kingdom of God, and everything you do is for the kingdom of God watch out because Satan is going to be right there trying to stop you because you are a threat. No one talks about that, but like you are a threat to him. Obviously, Satan will never say it out loud, but he's terrified of you because he knows what you can do, and he's trying to suppress that. That's where all the lies come from. The lies that we are talking about on this podcast and we've talked about on several podcasts, he tries to oppose every good thing. You know, I talk about my blog, which if you want to read it, you can go on to verityentertainment.org under blogs, uh, Caleb Smiley, <laughs> and you can look at blog I wrote about Taylor Swift, and the title of the blog is, Why Satan Attacks Specific People? <laughs> and I know, Mom, I'm sure, jump in. Feel free to jump in, because I know you were uh, obviously a Taylor Swift fan. I personally was not. But if you really look at her in her early career, she was doing... God's work. She was doing work for the kingdom. It was very obvious. Like, that's why she wanted to get into music and, you know, make an impact for the kingdom. And then years later, what happened? Well, she's living in her lavender haze, (laughs) as she puts it. And it's just depressing to watch. But the thing is, if you're Satan and you can find a way to convert somebody and use them to your advantage, like, yeah, of course you want to do that. But on the flip side of that, I know, Dad, you mentioned this the other day. The other option that Satan does, if he knows that he can't convert you, then he's going to do everything in his power to make your life, quite literally, a living hell. (laughs) And he'll do that just because you're doing great work for the kingdom. And that's just something that you have to watch out for. And that's something that I struggle with sometimes whenever I do my work. Every time I write a screenplay, every time I work on my film... There are times I'm done working on it for the day and I just feel awful for no reason. I just feel attacked. I just feel violated. And it's clearly him. He doesn't want it to happen. I mean, it's not just like what I said about making the podcast die or just ruining the equipment or having some of these things happen. Like he'll do any little thing that he can to get under your skin or to get you to quit. That's like his ultimate goal is he'll either try to get you to quit and be hopeless, or he'll try to turn you to his side in the case of someone like a Taylor Swift. And you just, you got to watch out for that because he'll give you everything he has.
1: I'm sorry to say he's made us quit stuff several times. (laughs) We've given into that force more times than I'd like to admit.
0: So I would say not only that, but I think what's really important for us to understand is whether when something is opposed, when something is doesn't go in the way that you would think that, that God would want it to go, that it would be in accordance And evil wins or bad people win or bad people prosper. Um, there's a lot of things where we, we see that happen. There's uh, just a whole bunch of scriptures, especially in Psalms and Proverbs, where he's saying, "Don't, don't be afraid, don't fret, don't worry, don't... Don't get upset about the fact that these evil people are prospering. And so I started thinking about that and I was like, so why is there so much, so many scriptures in there telling us not to worry when evil people prosper? Because evil people are going to prosper. <laughs> why? Because Satan is the ruler of this world. The systems, it's not just an active thing, the systems, the structures, Just like in The Matrix, everything was set up to benefit the machines to make things easier for them, to make things go the way they want them to go, to keep people under control, to achieve their objectives. Everything was set up in, in such a way to, to achieve their objective. The systems and the rules of Satan's kingdom have been set up. You don't actually have to have a demon or somebody coming in here opposing this. There are systems and structures. There's gatekeepers that keep you out of Hollywood. There's, there's, there's all kinds of just systems that have been set up and they just exist. But they're all of the kingdom of Satan. And the default setting is evil wins, good suffers. That's the default setting. That is the way things are meant to be in Satan's kingdom, period. And that's a really important thing for us to think about, is it whether you're actively opposed. If you become too hard of much of a threat, then yeah, you're going to see some active opposition. But he doesn't have to do a lot because he's kind of set up this structure in the system to kind of go his way. Just by default, where he just can kind of put his feet back up and, you know, things kind of generally go his way because, because of the way things have set up to be going his way. But there's a couple of things with that. You know, just like we said in the Matrix, when they, you know, when there was a glitch in the Matrix or was something that they changed, they could change the settings so that doorways disappear, so that telephones where they can get out disappear and they don't have that anymore. They cut a, a hard line or something, and they can't get out. He can change his system. He can put people in power. He can put different things in the way that, that make it hard for us. There, there's two things that I want to talk about here. One, and this is a big one because I know that this gets people like like Charles Darwin or others, the fact that they think, well, God is in control. Yeah, God is sovereign, and God made this world— but Jesus is even saying he this is not this is not His kingdom. This is not we ceded control of this world, and it's not His at the moment. It will become His in Revelation, but it's not at the moment. And people think that the default setting is God's will. Well, that must be God's will. And then and then some people get angry. I think Charles Darwin might have even lost a child or something, and that's one of he became very very angry at God. And that's part of why he decided to do something that he wanted to hurt God. So that happens to a lot of people; they blame God for things that happens. And I'm like, God's not the one that set up this system. God's not the one who brought death. I mean, death is a thing that is definitely kingdom of Satan. The kingdom of Satan is the bringer of death. They death is their one of their favorite things that they that they bring that that is what they bring when they come they just bring death and so we blame people are blaming God for things that Satan is doing he's not the one when when bad everything that happens that is bad in this world it is because it is the will of the kingdom of Satan every bad thing every single bad thing that happens in this world is because it is Satan's will is being done and the other thing, the other part of that, and, and I mean, we can talk about that one. We could probably do an entire podcast on that, just because of, just because of the, the how many bad theology is out there, where God is getting blamed for stuff that Satan is doing. I don't want to go into too deep of that, but I, I think it's really important. We need to stop and we need to understand, you know, when this tornado takes out and kills this family or whatever happens, that's bad in this world. Wars, death, suffering. That's all Satan. It's all him. 100% him. And go ahead, you had some.
1: Well, I was just going to say that we do plan to address that very, very, very large question that you're probably thinking, like, um, there's a whole other aspect of this, like, okay, so God's not in control. Why isn't he in control? That's a good question, because he should just be able to snap his fingers and make everything his will. And why is that? And there's a lot of other questions that come from that question, and, you know, it it all inevitably ends up in, you know, why does God allow evil to exist? You know, and there's a lot of different explanations for it. People just go with free will or whatever. But I think it's a very complicated issue, and it's something I've spent a lot of time thinking about and um, plan to do a whole podcast going into very great detail on that whole dynamic and I think it's it will be worth everybody's time but yeah that's a whole other thing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Not really prepared to go in and talk about that today but it is definitely something we want to address. So the other thing is number 1 this is Satan's kingdom. Number 2 all the bad stuff that happens here is a def- you know is is by default it's his it's his will, it's his um, way things have been set up. But number three, what you need to understand is when good happens, when good wins, and we see that, you know, in, in some various different ways that we see where good wins, when something really great happens. That wasn't Satan. <laughs> that was not supposed to happen. That was not meant to happen. It was like, it just didn't like in the matrix, when somebody got, when their mind was set free. That was not the machine's will for that to happen. Anything that happened that was good that happened in the Matrix, anything good that happened in the Matrix was something where Morpheus and Neo, the other humans had to come in and they had to fight to get something that they wanted to happen that was good. And every single time it was fight, people were dying. There was, you know, there, it was a fight, it's a war. And so just like in that movie, Every single time that you see good win, every single victory is because the kingdom of heaven has come here and is fighting. And we are part of his kingdom. If we are his servants, if we are his children, we are part of his kingdom. So if we want good to win, there's a, there's an old saying that, and I always it, it sounds kind of trite and it's kind of a cliche pretty much, but... I now see a new truth to it that I never saw before, and that's the old saying of evil wins when good people do nothing. And that is so true. If good wins, it's going to be a fight because it's not the way the kingdom of Satan has set things up. We have to fight for it. I got very wrapped up in the World Series run this year and the whole go and take it thing. If good is going to win, we have to go and take it. I want to talk about the Lord's Prayer for just a minute, so. There's so much there that keeps being revealed piece by piece, little by little. But one that recently came to me when Jesus says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's two things that I want to point out there. Number one, he's asking for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. That implies that that's not already taking place. God's will is not being done on this earth, people. There's so many people say, well, that must have been God's will. No, it was not God's will. (laughs) It was not. That was Satan's will. It was not God's. But part of this, and this is the kind of thing that I I don't, it's real subtle, but he asked, Jesus asked, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. I think for God's will to be done on this earth in the kingdom of Satan the only way that God's will is going to get done is if his kingdom comes, just like Morpheus and Neo and Trinity. You have to come, and they're going to have to fight, and we're, and we're going to have to take the victory from the enemy because the default setting is Satan wins. That's the default Satan, Evil people win. Evil people prosper. If good wins, we're going to have to fight for it. And that's why I said, you know, when Jesus said your kingdom, he said that first, your kingdom come. Let's, get our, let's muster our forces, let's march on the black gate, let's make this happen, then let's enforce your will to be done, Lord. I think that's, that's the image I get now. I'm never going to see the Lord's Prayer in any other way.
1: What is that verse, um, the kingdom of heaven is subject to violence and violent men take it over? I think it is.
0: Yeah, uh, I actually had thought about including that one, but I, I didn't, but yeah. Hmm. That's one that I think John Eldridge talks about a lot, actually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, those are three big ones. But there are a couple others that I wanted to talk about. So, number one, we always hear people talk about, oh, well, that's temporal and eternal, or that's worldly, and you shouldn't be thinking worldly. I, all my life, people I like, oh, you shouldn't be you know, doing this. You shouldn't be thinking about worldly. You think you need to be thinking about kingdom. And I'm like, it never really occurred to me why. It's like, oh, worldly, well, what's wrong with worldly? We live in the world, right? I mean, this is my daily life in the world. But if you don't think about the fact that the world is the kingdom of Satan, then you – but when, when James, in James 4, he says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world – is hostility towards God? Why is friendship with the world hostility? You, you, you might be asking yourself, saying, "Well, what do you? What does that mean, James? Why is being friends with the world? Aren't we supposed to love people? Aren't we supposed to?" God created the world. Yeah, exactly. Why is friendship with the world hostility towards God? Well, if the world is the kingdom of Satan, and you're a friend of the kingdom of Satan, then that is hostile. You're you're fraternizing with the enemy at that point. If you understand this in the terms of the this, there is a warfare that's happening here then absolutely, friendship with the world is hostility towards God. When you put that in this context, in this, in this way of thinking, then James 4 makes total sense. And it says, therefore, whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You are an enemy God. So, if, I mean, it's a binary decision. Which side are you going to choose? <laughs> you want to be a friend with the world? All right, well, then you're an enemy of God. You want to be a you want to be a kingdom citizen, then you're then you're. If in. you're
2: not one of us, you are one of them, as Morpheus said.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, it's exactly true. John, First John two fifteen through seventeen. Do not love the world nor are the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Now, who does that sound like? It is not from the Father, but it is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. So, yeah, I mean, we don't want to love this, because it's, number one, it's passing away, but it's, it's his kingdom. It's his stuff, the lust of the eye. the boast. I mean, I can't get along with arrogant people. I have a really, really hard time getting along with the arrogant people. And I always thought, well, that's just me. But I'm like, no, you know what? When I look at Scripture and I see the things that God hates and I see one of the seven things that it lists, he lists that he hates, pride is one of the things on that list. So when I look at the fact that I hate, I don't, don't want to say that I hate prideful people, and I certainly don't, it, you can go there. I don't hate the prideful people, but I absolutely hate their pride. And it's something that God hates. And I think that that's his nature coming out here in me. Um, so anyway, uh, another scripture, Matthew six nineteen through 24, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so that if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Verse twenty four. Matthew six, verse twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for he or he will hate the one, and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So the church is changing its doctrine, it's changing its practices, it's changing its theology to try to fit in in the world, to try to get along with the world. We want to, I mean, I could go in, I don't want to necessarily go into, I mean, there's multiple different examples of how things have been changing and they're saying, well, we're becoming more enlightened. We're becoming more, you know, society is enlightened. Society is, so, so basically Satan's kingdom is enlightening us. And Satan's kingdom is, I mean, is what we're saying. But we're try, there's so many things that have been changed. And the idea is, so well, we want to make ourselves more appealing to, to Satan's kingdom, right? You want to make yourself more appealing to Satan's kingdom. We don't see it in that way. And that is the problem. And we need to stop trying to be friends with the world. It's not the world. You're not going to be friends with the world. We need to stop trying to say, well, I want to be famous for Jesus. I mean, things like that where people say stuff like that. I want to be famous for Jesus or I want to be fame in this world. I mean, you're talking about fame and praise from the kingdom of Satan. Do you really want fame and praise from this kingdom of Satan? No, I don't. Um so that's not what we're that's not what we should
1: should be about. It really that's one of the reasons that I continually mention the matrix over and over again because it is like the best metaphor to really it show how absurd it really is. Because if you look at it in the terms of the movie like and you look at Cypher for instance and his desire to be important in the kingdom of Satan you just see how absolutely absurd it is, because it's everything, every form of power, every single form of uh, popularity or authority or wealth or whatever you would have in the matrix isn't even real. It's made up. It's like buying a NFT <laughs>
2: <laughs> or VR set. <laughs> well
1: uh, NFT is perfect because I mean it is literally meaningless. It's just say, hey, I have this imaginary thing, but I'm the only person who has this imaginary token. I'm like, it's meaningless. <laughs> but I I love that because it really shows, because that's really the reality of what we're we're dealing with, is all of these things that we're talking about might as well be a digital virtual token because it won't exist. You're going to exist much longer than the rest of all of this stuff or status or power and authority, and it's all passing away, right? It's all going to pass away. So it's totally and utterly worthless, completely worthless.
0: So I'm going to come back, and I think Geraldine pointed out the scripture that you were looking for earlier, which is, um, it says, verse, this is uh, Matthew 11, verse uh, 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and violent take it by force. So again, if we're, gonna, if we're going to have his kingdom prevail, his forces are going to have to fight for it. And if we're on his side, we're going to have to fight. So there was a couple of other things we talked about earlier. I want to bring in a couple of scriptures. So I talked about the fact that there's, you know, things that God hates. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19 actually lists those. So There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Number one, first one, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. So again, you think about that and you think about how many of these things do you see like on a daily basis? These are things that God hates. Why do you see so many things in this world that God hates? If his will is being done on this earth, if God's will, if everything that happens here is God's will, then why would there be so many things that God hates? The answer is because this God's will is not being done. This is not his kingdom. And then another one in, in talking about that, so I may, may reference to some of the ones in Psalms, so I'll just read one here. Psalms thirty seven, verse seven through nine, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his ways, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evildoing. For evil doers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. So again, it's just a verse of encouragement saying, Yeah, 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 this evil guy, he's going to prosper but don't worry about it because it's a temporary thing, and evildoers will be cut off in the end, and those who wait for the Lord will inherit. Uh, a couple more I'm not going to read, but you, if you wanted to read that talk about this, Psalm 10 is another one, Jeremiah 12 is another one, but we won't be talking about those, but if you want to look at those, then those are also, are also passages that kind of talk about not getting too upset or worried about the fact that, uh, and there are several others. There's just just these that we mentioned. So I want to circle back to what Caleb and Timothy were talking about earlier. So there's two things, like Caleb like was saying, if the enemy can't flip you, if they can't turn you into a double agent, they can't make you love the world, then, and and, and frankly, when we talk about, you, you mentioned Taylor Swift and, and people like that, what really caught I think what really probably—I mean, I don't know for sure—but what it seems like is what got her and what gets so many of these people. What got Cipher is that they just kind of fell in love with the world. They kind of like, you know, this is pretty cool. I think I kind of like this. They they love the world. They love the things of the world. They love the, you know, the tension, the glory, the the fame, the fortune. Um, They love the world. And if you love the world, then yeah, you're you're right where he wants you. But if the enemy can't get you to do that, if you're like, okay, no, I'm not going there. I'm going to listen to James. I'm not going to love the world. I'm listening to John. I'm not going to love the world. Then the, the second thing he's going to do, which Timothy was talking about, I think, too, is that he's going to try to kill your soul. He's going to try to force us to lose hope. And I think that's one of the reasons why there is a lot of scripture devoted to the fact that saying, hey, don't worry about l- evil prospering. Because it's so easy for us to lose hope when we see that and we get so discouraged. And again, if you think this is God's will, then you're like, okay, God's a great big jerk. <laughs> you know, and he must really hate us actually, right? He doesn't love us. I mean, how, why would he let these evil people prosper if God loved us? Wouldn't he let his people prosper and people go there? But if you're starting with that same assumption that all this is God's will and God's the one in control then it's really easy to get a really, really bad image of who God is. But if you look at it from the perspective of, well, this is Satan's will, it makes 100% total sense. It's completely logical what's happening here. There's a lot of ways. I'm going to tell you, oh my goodness, so many ways that, that he has really, things he's attacked, things he's brought, broken down, things that maybe at one time was a good thing. You can think of what you want to about the founding of this country, but there are many, many good things, many, many good ideas, many, many, I think it feels like kingdom-like ideas that are in our Constitution, in things that in our Bill of Rights and things of that nature that were very, very good things that the world had never seen before. And yet now, (laughs) I think that Satan has basically corrupted things to the point to where We've kind of lost most of it. We've given it away, just like Adam and Eve gave away uh, the authority for this world. I think we've given away that. I mean, you think about the FBI. It used to be a force for good. Now it's basically a weapon that is being used for political purposes. The president uses it to attack his political enemies. It's, It's become a very corrupt, and IRS, same thing. Even things like the American Medical Association, there's so many things there I can't trust doctors. I can't trust what they're putting in. You know, when you see these commercials on TV for various drugs and whatnot, and the very first symptom, you know, start talking about the side effects, death being one of the side effects, taking their drug, and you look at the recommendations that are coming out. I mean, all that stuff, they just seem so evil. I mean, it just seems so evil, and and of course it is, because he's corrupted these things. Things like the Boy Scouts at one time was a really good organization. Both of you guys, Eagle Scouts, and it was something that we felt like there, there's a lot of good. It's a great, I mean, at one time at least, there was no better place that I knew of it or had seen of where a young man could learn how to become a leader. A young man could learn some very important parts of becoming a man. It was you know, designed to basically help train boys. I think originally it was trying to help them get ready to become soldiers, frankly. And it was really, really, really good thing. It's been corrupted now to where there's no way I would put any family member in that that organization anymore. You know, professional sports, another one. You, You look at the, you know, when you have the professional sports talk shows, half the time is spent on well, when this was going to get out of drug rehab or when that one's uh, being suspended because they're using steroids or because...
1: This one beat their wife. Yeah,
0: or this one was fighting dogs or this one was, you know, and, and they're going to get out of prison here or they're going to be suspended by the NFL or the MLB or wherever it is. And, I mean, I long for the days as a little boy growing up here in, in Dallas. Guys like Roger Staubach, guys like Nolan Ryan good good characters people of good character good moral character you could look up to and and you would be proud for your son to 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 look up to and now you look at the guys and I'm not going to name names but you look at what we are being given to look up to now and it's just they're just vile they're just vile evil people and I'm like I wouldn't want anybody to admire them you wouldn't want a daughter to to admire Taylor Swift at this point. If I had a daughter, I wouldn't want she wouldn't know who Taylor Swift was, frankly. I mean, I I would try to keep that away from her. But yeah, and the big one, <laughs> the elephant in the room, it, it, it's been the source of depression for all of us, and I think it I mean, Geraldine, I think was broken down was crying today even is the church. And how the church has just kind of lost its way and it's become corrupted to the point to where, you know, we just don't feel like we can find, you know, a group of people that we can worship with anymore and really that are interested in serving God instead of trying to serve the world and trying to be like the world and being friends with the world. It's like every, it's like they've all sold out. There's one church in Dallas, you know, that, for example, They had a mandatory vaccination policy for their employees, and there was no opt-out for religious exemptions. I mean, my company, thankfully, thank God, um, had a very good opt-out. You know, if you you felt for religious reasons that you didn't want to take the vaccine, you could opt-out, and they didn't force it. So I was very fortunate in that way because I was not about to do that. But here we have a church. A church that won't let you opt out for religious reasons, and I'm like, that to me is just the most extreme thing I think I've ever heard um, in in that way. But yeah.
1: Well, back to the matrix. It's uh, when I've talked to atheist and agnostic friends about this issue, I they they really appreciate that. Um, I always have to go through a period of yes. Christianity is corrupt. Yes, all these people are doing terrible things. And I agree with you. You're right. (laughs) Because you kind of have to go through that disclaimer that, yeah, yeah, you are right about all these terrible things that you're pointing out. But think about it for a second. (laughs) Just accept for a second that Satan is real and that I'm right. Does it not make perfect sense for him to focus all of his attention on corrupting the one thing that could oppose him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if it was my goal to enslave the human race, like the machines or whatever, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the only thing that sp- sp- poses any threat, and I'm going to destroy it. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the number one priority. And... You know, in The Matrix, they labeled Morpheus was a terrorist, right?
2: (laughs) I was about to literally just say that, like, whatever you think you know about this man is irrelevant. He's considered to be the most dangerous man alive. And I'm like, but later in the film, him and Morpheus have a battle and he beats the living crap out of Morpheus. So what exactly do you mean by dangerous? Exactly. I mean, what exactly do you mean by dangerous? Because you beat the living crap out of Morpheus. I mean, Morpheus didn't stand a chance. He wasn't that much of a threat. He wasn't that much of a threat. So why is he dangerous? Because he knows the truth. (laughs) That's why. And that's the other thing that you have to factor in is if you are for the kingdom of God and you know the truth and you start telling the truth to people, you are a threat and you're a threat to his way of life Why do you think that certain people didn't like Jesus very much? Because he was speaking truth to people. They're like, I mean, there's a freaking passage where the Pharisees are like, we can't let this go on, you know, because he's going to take away our place. (laughs) And I'm just like, that's the thing. If you know the truth and you start speaking truth, which is the foundation of Verity Entertainment, the truth will set you free. You will be opposed. You will be attacked.
0: We're being bombarded with ugliness, mediocrity. I mean, I look at some of the stuff that happened in the Renaissance, and you see some of the paintings that they did there, and it was just beautiful artwork. I mean, just some of the most beautiful artwork that I've ever seen in my in my entire life. It's this just incredibly talented, beautiful paintings, beautiful artwork. And then I look at this modern art, and I'm like going, what in the world? Why would anyone find that to be appealing? And I'm like, and you look at that and you're going, like, what in the heck is going on? It just doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I know people have said, oh, well, yeah, that's part of the Russians' plan to uh, basically, you know, uh, no, it's not the Russians. <laughs> I'm sorry. But again, you look at modern music and you look at TV and Hollywood and commercials and the things that it just seems like and feels like everything is designed to just kind of – just kind of pokes at you, just, you know, I want to, I want to make you more discouraged. I want you to feel like you're all alone and you're the only person in the world that thinks this way. Everybody else is like this. And, you know, and there's times that I kind of relate to Elijah and I kind of feel like, you know, when Elijah was in the desert and he just literally had fire come down from heaven, you know, and he just routed the prophets of Baal. And, and Jezebel Jezebel just says, "Oh well, I'm going to kill you, Jezebel. I'm going to kill you." And Elijah gets so depressed, and he's just like, "I'm, I'm, I'm. My, wife, my life's not worth it. It's just not worth it anymore. I'm done. I give up. You know, I'm the only one here. There's nobody else." And God's like, "No, you're not alone. <laughs> you're not the only one." And He, you know, He said, "There's, there's people that I've kept for myself. That are there's always going to be a remnant." And that's the thing. God always has a remnant. It may feel like you're alone. It may feel like we're fighting by ourselves and there's nobody else on his side but there's always a remnant he has always kept a remnant for himself and he and there is a remnant um and so we're not alone and hopefully we find people and hopefully you find people and this is one way we can do that and and i did want to make another point here so i remember when y'all were little there was and it started really when y'all were in like first second grade we would – we. it used to be when I was very – very things were very, very competitive when I was younger. Of course, we didn't start playing – I wasn't allowed to play baseball until I was like seven or eight, I think. Now they're playing baseball when kids are three or four, barely walking playing baseball, which is fine. But we weren't then, and things have changed. But things were very competitive. We had winners and losers. And when y'all were little, we had participation trophies, and everybody's a winner, and we wanted – you know everyone to feel good about themselves, and you know I'm a big believer in self-esteem. I believe big believer in encouraging people and whatnot, and it's very easy to get sucked into that. And I think that there are some elements of that that I still believe are good. However. There, this whole idea of everyone's idea is as good as it, and that's like, like, no, so wait, you're going to tell me that Hitler's ideas was as good as, you know, I mean, seriously, let's be real here. This whole thing of everybody's idea is just as good as somebody else's ideas? No, that's not true.
1: Well, that's it's, postmodernism. Everybody's it, right.
0: And, and, you know, that's just not the case. Some, there is right, there is wrong. There are, you know, everything is binary. You're either, again, kingdom of Satan or your kingdom of heaven. But one of the things that I always thought, and I would remember telling you guys, I would say, well, if everybody's just, cause what you see the fruit of the participation trophy in socialism, for example, everybody, you know, and, and that's becoming a bigger thing now where it's like, well, everybody gets the same. So if everybody gets the same, then I promise you if socialism happened, I'm gonna put my feet up on my recliner and I'm gonna sit on my butt and I'm not gonna do a darn thing. And I guarantee you that's what everybody else is going to do. So because why should why should I bust my tail so this guy gets the same thing that I get? There's no – there's no, you know, nobody's going nobody's to do that. That's why socialism will always fail. It's, it's just not – and the kingdom of heaven is not set up that way. All you got to do is read the parable of the talents to mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. that is not going to be the way the kingdom – I mean, Jesus said this is – the kingdom of heaven is like this. Mm-hmm. He literally said it, and then he told the parable. Parable of the talents, you know. Um, go read it, go look it up. It's not socialism, for sure. Um, But I think that that whole idea of, you know, I was thinking, well, if if everybody's just going to basically become useless and become worthless, and that's going to, my assumption was that, you know, that's going to provide an opportunity for you guys, because if you show up, if you're competent, you're going to be so far It's going to be so much greater than your peers that you're going to do very, very well and you're going to excel. Well, that assumption was predicated on the notion and the false belief that, number one, God's in control. And number one, things are supposed to work, are going to work out the way they're supposed to. Things do not work out the way they're supposed to work out in Satan's kingdom. It just doesn't.
1: The world is not a meritocracy.
0: Yeah, it's not. And that that was the false assumption. I thought the world would be a meritocracy. And what you're seeing, you're seeing stuff that's on TV that I'm like going, this is garbage. The things that we do could be so much better. But why? Our stuff is going to be opposed. Because justice, and this is another thing that I, I guess I've had a hyper sense of justice in my life. And you look at the things that God loves. God loves justice. I love justice. I believe in justice. I think we need justice. I do want a meritocracy. And you mentioned meritocracy. The parable of talents was absolutely a meritocracy. Mm-hmm. This guy, you know, took five coins and he earned five more coins and Jesus blessed him and said, Well, here you're gonna get ten cities. And the guy who, you know, took three coins and made three, you get, you know, you get three cities or whatever the number was. I don't remember, but it wasn't as much as the first guy, because mm-hmm. the first guy did better. And guess what? He got more Jesus gave him more because of that and it's like the second guy got you know he got based on his efforts he got what he got it was a meritocracy and it was justice and it was fair and it was right and, and it's like that is the way God rolls but that is not the way things roll here if you're expecting for things to work out the way they're supposed to then you're fooled and you should never do that and you know we are being bombarded with ugliness and mediocrity. I mean, the current modern music, what's on TV, everything, it's just garbage, and it just kills your soul. But it's designed to kill your soul. It's either designed to do one of two things, like you said, Caleb. It's either designed to try to suck you in, to bring you into this, to this, to this kingdom, or it's designed to, to kill your soul and to, to make you lose hope so that you're just like, I give up. There's just no point. And, you know, that's the thing is we can't allow ourselves if when you when you for me at least, uh, having this understanding at least gives me the the thing of saying, okay, this is the way things are, but that's not the way they have to be. Mm-hmm. I can call upon the kingdom of heaven, I can call upon the forces of the kingdom of heaven, I can use the power if we ever learn to fully tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that has been placed inside of us, you know, Satan's kingdom is terrified of that. Because I know, the, Jesus himself said, you're going to do even greater things than I'm doing. If we fully, fully were able to tap into that, we would be, <laughs> it, would, it would be just like Neo. We would be doing the kind of thing, we would be that having that level of an impact on the world and on his kingdom as neo did so kind of transitioning anybody unless anybody had anything else they wanted to so transitioning um, I want to read a couple other scripture so Jesus said in in John 16 these things I've spoken to you so that you in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take courage I have overcome the world that's John 16 33 First John three one, see how great a love the Father has given us, that we would be called children of God, and in fact we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. So another scripture I wanted to, to mention is, and, and kind of transitioning into another phase of this, is when we're suffering. If the enemy is trying to kill your soul, if there is, like you said, Caleb, if there, if you're a target. If you're undergoing suffering, suffering is an affirmation in in a sense that you actually are doing the right things. Because he doesn't go after, why does he not go after, why does evil people prosper? Because he's already got them, right? He's Mm -hmm. already got them. So why not bless them and encourage people to be like that because he's got them.
2: Peter and John rejoiced after being suffered because they knew that they got through to people. I mean, that was a that was a thing.
0: So I'm going to read a couple of passages. Um, first, James uh, one verses two through four. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, and not lacking in anything. That kind of would be like a uh, maybe a Easter egg for our previous our next podcast because you know there's a couple of reasons this is one of them i mean that james is talking about here is why bad stuff happens and why you know the, he's he's this is we may not know what each one of those answers are but we know what the, what the answers are and this is one of the categories of why things happen he's saying so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything that's the goal that is the goal for every Every one of God's children—that is what He wants. He want just like I want maturity. I want you guys to grow up. I want you, you know, and and you have. Um, but I mean, it's it's just every one of every father wants his children to grow up and become mature and complete and not lacking in anything. So that's that's one of the categories. Uh, Romans five one through five. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom. We have gained access by faith into this grace and now in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory, glory of God. Not only so, but, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And then um, John, First John three, verse thirteen, do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so I guess there's people, and, and there are there are people now. They're like they don't get it. Why does they ha- why do they hate you? You know, don't be surprised if the world. You know, I think there's a. And then Jesus uh, goes into a little bit more detail in John. Verses chapter 15, verses 18 through 25. I'm going to read that one real quick. So Jesus is speaking here. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Evil people prospering, evil people doing well. The world would love you. The kingdom of Satan would love you. But you, because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world. He unplugged us. <laughs> He literally unplugged us. He chose us out of the world. You're coming out of the world. We're not in the matrix anymore. Um, But I chose you out of this. Because of this, the world hates you. Okay? Kingdom of heaven. We're not in this kingdom. We left the kingdom. We're traitors. We're traitors to the kingdom of Satan. They hate us. Remember the the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. If they followed my word, they would follow yours also. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken them to them, they would not have sinned, but now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, They would not have sinned, but now they both have seen and hated me, and my father as well. But this has happened so that the word that is written in their law will be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. So, uh, so yeah. If that kind of goes, again, that one really, really gets me because Jesus talking about the fact that, you know, we should expect the world to hate us. And that's the other reason why when I see the church trying to say, well, we want the world to like us. We want the world to accept us. We want people to come. And I'm like, no. <laughs> if, you, if the world doesn't hate you, you need to stop and you need to ask the question of why. Because the world hated Jesus. And if you're one of his servants, he says the world is going to hate you because they hated me. And if they don't, then you're not doing something right.
1: That doesn't mean that if you act crazy enough to make people hate you, that you're doing something right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, that that's a great point. In yeah. fact, that is a great
1: point.
2: Well, because there's people that don't like Christians for some completely legitimate reasons, let's be real.
1: I know, like, and I don't want to necessarily pick on them, but I know that the Pentecostals, they label that as a reason why, you know, the fact they're doing things that seem crazy to other people. They're like, yeah. That's, that's why they one of the reasons why they, they behave that way, because they were like, hey, this is great, because the world thinks we're crazy. And I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> right.
0: Well, you shouldn't be crazy. Well, and the point is, crazy doesn't mean that you're of him. No. But if you are of him, you will be seen as crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So the flip side is true, but the focus is to be more like him. Because if you're like him, the world's going to hate you because you're like him. Not because you're, not for other reasons, and maybe in some cases completely legitimate reasons why people hate Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I would submit that a lot of times what I've seen in my personal life is the people that hate Christians, is because those people are not like him, frankly. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus (laughs) is very appealing as a person unless... You are truly of the kingdom of Satan, and you're one of his, but he is you know to the to the i guess the what do you want to call them the swing voters <laughs> you know in the middle, Jesus looks very, very, very appealing to to a lot of folks in the middle
1: irresistible
0: yeah mm-hmm. and so I think if if those people are kind of hating Christians, it's probably because they're not like Jesus as much
2: sure
0: so yeah um i think we talked about and we went back and read this um and mommy found that passage so again the kingdom of heaven is won through violence um uh actually i had it in here i didn't have the verse but it's in here (laughs) so that from the days of john the baptist until now the kingdom of heaven has been treated violently and violent men take it by force um one of my favorite favorite images of jesus I love is, is from Revelations where it's talking about the rider on the white horse. You know, you think of like, it kind of conjures this image of, you know, Gandalf in the, in the, uh, you know, in, in, um, uh, two towers. Yeah. When he's out there and he's riding out in front and he's leading this, you know, army. I mean, I see Jesus in that way. Jesus, Jesus is not a king who sits back and just kind of, Puts his feet up, and he's not like that other dude. What in 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 the third one, the uh, Denethor. yeah, Denethor. He's he's not like Denethor, who sends other people out to die. I mean, he gets out. Jesus, the rider on the white horse, Jesus. He is out there, and he is leading his army into battle. And 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 he's like, I'm. We're gonna fight. We're gonna take this. And I'll I just that image. It's like it's like Aragorn. You know, he led the charge on the Black Gate. You know, I mean, that is. That is Jesus. That is, that is who he is. He is a king who leads. You know, David is another king who leads from the front. Or at least early on, he led from the front. And, you know, I mean, you think about the victory that was won there. You know, um, David had to, you know, his violence. I mean, David had to fight Goliath. He had to kill him. Um, and most of the things that, that, that he did, um, he had to take it by force. Um, another hero... Uh, Caleb, the one in the Bible that uh, you were named after, actually, but um, another one of my absolute favorite characters in Scripture, you know, is you know when he's like what eighty years old and he's telling, uh, he's telling Joshua, saying, you know, God promised me this inheritance of you know, this hill country and I want that and I know there's giants there and I made, he said but I, and I'm 80 years old and he said, but I can go out there and kick their butt just as good now as I could when I was a young man and I want that and I'm like going, dang, this guy's awesome <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I'm like I want to be like that, you know I want but again, if you want for good to win, if you I mean that's the thing, even even the promised land, the Israelites had to fight to get their inheritance in the promised land. It wasn't like, I mean, there were victories that God gave them, like Jericho, you know, and things like that. God definitely gave them. But it's like you had to fight. If you wanted your inheritance, if you want things to work out the way that God's kingdom wants them to work out, you have to fight for it. And, you know, just like in The Matrix, these guys had to fight every single that freeway scene. The, the, some of the fight scenes in The Matrix were just nuts to me. Mm-hmm. The level of the violence and the level of, you know, fighting that they had to do in order to affect the outcome that they wanted and needed to happen for good to win, they had to fight and they had to. It was it was in, just insane always.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know, I would say the only way, um, the only way that God's people are ever going to win is you're going to have to fight. We can't just, you know, go out to eat and you know, <laughs> just wait and just hope that everything works out, you know. Go go listen to a sermon and then go out to eat and like, yeah, everything's great. Um, if we want it to work out, we're going to have to fight. If we want the things that we want to do, if we want this podcast to succeed, we're going to have to fight. If we want your movie to get made, we're going to have to fight. If we want, you know, your short films and your movies that you're making to, you're going to have to fight. The enemy is going to oppose those things. The default setting is going to oppose those things. And if they become a big enough threat, then he's going to amp up his game and come after it harder. Um, But the thing is, Jesus, you know, Jesus said, he said, I've overcome the world. (laughs) He said, so don't worry. You know, the world hates me. Who cares? They can't hurt. They can't stop us. They can't stop the kingdom of heaven. We know wins. And if we invoke the kingdom of heaven, if we bring the power of the kingdom of heaven, they can't stop it. They can't you can't stop God. You know, if we vote if we tap into his power, if we bring his kingdom into it, Satan's kingdom cannot stop it. But if we don't, if we're just kind of going along and going, yeah, you know, hoping things work out, no. They're not going to work out. Trust me, they are not going to work out the way that they're supposed to unless God is directly involved and his kingdom is directly involved.
2: This is another podcast that we're working towards that I actually am outlining. It won't be the next one. I think the next one's going to be more like what you and Timothy had planned, which is definitely a good one about why bad things happen to good people. But The Hero Podcast is something that's very dear to me because it's more story-based and why we need great stories and how, you know, Dad, you talked about how, you know, all this garbage on sports, all this garbage in music and entertainment in general. And it's like, why is that being corrupted? And it's like, because Satan knows full well just how powerful stories and entertainment really can be. Definitely we'll do a podcast on just the power that story has. And obviously Jesus used story to get through to people and Nathan used story to get through to David after Bathsheba to talk sense into him, you know, and just the power that story has is just, I'll be honest, I feel like it's unmatched in a lot of ways. It really is. And, you know, Timothy said this to me the other day after, you know, watching, I think it was How to Train Your Dragon, you told me how... You know, whenever you watch certain YouTube content, you know, it's just kind of in and out. And you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, I mean, that was fun or whatever. But like you said, when you watch that, you're just like, man, you're just constantly thinking about it. You know, you're just like, man, there's so many things to think about, so many things that tie back to the kingdom. And I'll just say this because I don't want to, you know, talk too much about this. I'll talk more about it on the podcast. But, um, like, my belief is that, you know, when you tell a story correctly, it already is glorifying God. Like you don't need to throw in some big gospel message or try to preach to your audience. All you got to do is just tell the story. And it's beautiful because story echoes life and life is given to us by God. And it's like, you don't need to force a message. It's already there. Just tell the story.
0: Well, I would even, and this literally just now came into my head. So it ties back to what we've been talking about. When every single story where the hero wins, when good wins, mm-hmm. that's, that's God's kingdom. Yeah. That is, because that is not the way things work out here. So when, why do we love stories where good wins? Why? Why, does, <laughs> why are people drawn to that? Exactly. Because it's not the default setting of this world. Good mm-hmm. doesn't normally win. Good does win occasionally when God's kingdom is, is yeah. directly involved.
2: Well, and there's so many times like in all of your favorite stories, there's always they're hitting by a thread. They're not going to make it out alive. It's 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 not going to work out. They're all going to die. I mean, there's a freaking line from, I think it was Gimli that said, small chance of success, certainty of death. What are we waiting for? <laughs> you know, it's just like, I mean, the thing, the thing that gets me about those stories is it's comforting. I'll be honest, even though it's the sad part of the movie where they're dealing with all kinds of crap like that's so comforting to me seeing Harry in the fifth Harry Potter film Lord of the Phoenix when everybody's against him everyone's calling him the boy who lies and he's just isolated and alone it's just that's so comforting to me because I'm like there are times I feel like I'm exactly in the same spot where nobody listens to me nobody believes me everyone's calling me a liar everyone thinks I'm like when I see movies and I see that, like, it's just very comforting. You know, there's a lot of people that talk about comfort shows and stuff like that. And I think that's a legit thing. I mean, it's more than just watching a comedy to make you laugh, to help you feel better. It, it goes deeper than just that. Like seeing stuff like that, it's just comforting because it's like you're not alone. I think Tom Hanks even had a quote that said cinema has the ability to make you feel not lonely, even if you, you know, are really lonely. And I agree with that. You know, I mean, how many times, mom, have you said the, like, Hey, let's go to, let's go to middle earth. Let's go to the galaxy far, far away. Let's go to all these different places. Cause that's just what it feels like. And it's just, these people are not fictional really They're They just feel so real to us because the stuff that they face is just what we're facing every single day. <laughs> But going off, I guess, with the monologue there at the end, with Neo circling back to that, and what I love about that monologue from Neo at the end, um, it's one of the best movie monologues of all time. And obviously, I don't know if I like it as much as Morpheus's monologue at the beginning of the movie, but it's so brilliant because I love what Neo says, You know, because he's just like, I, the first line, I know that you're out there, I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I mean, that's that's what we've been talking about. We've talked about how Satan's going to attack us, how he sees us as a threat, how he's going to attack us, but you don't think about the fact that he's doing it because he's afraid. He is afraid of the power that we have and what we're going to be able to do for the kingdom of God. Like He'll never say it, but he is afraid of that. I mean, he's legit afraid. And at the end of the movie, when Neo, uh, the first movie when Neo defeats Smith and blows him up and the other two agents see Neo and a fully realized Neo, they're like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> they just share a look and they're like, yeah, no, we're done. <laughs> they were afraid. They were afraid. And that's the kind of power that every single one of us has when we tap into the Holy Spirit. That's what it looks like when we tap into the Holy Spirit. Those demons and all of them, they're going to be like, uh yeah, we're done. We're not going to even try it. <laughs> we're not going to try this crap. <laughs> we'll find another way. <laughs> it's just, no, but you don't think about stuff like that. You, know, you only talk about how, oh, but when you tap into that power, it's just, yeah.
1: Well, I think that's a really ge- great place to end it. Yeah. But thank you and uh, hope to hear you. Hope to see you in the next podcast. Thanks.
0: I know you're out there.